This is a Rooster Teeth production. This is episode nine of Ship Hits the Fan, season four. You're listening to... <laughs> this is a Rooster Teeth production. Is, is that still play in front of Yeah, all? it does. I think okay. that's Christian. Is it? This is a Rooster Teeth production. If that still plays at the top of episodes, leave this in. Yeah. If not, cut it. This, this, this is a Rooster Teeth production. Sly, I didn't know you had a, a specific interest in maritime disaster. Iraqi almost took place at sea. But Navy boxer. <laughs> or sea land. <laughs> Navy boxer. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. It was an aircraft carrier. Initially, when I was riding Rocky. The problem was we couldn't fit an Italian market on the aircraft carrier. <laughs> that was a big problem for me. <laughs> September 5th, 1856. The steamboat Arabia was making a routine trip up the Missouri River. After hitting a submerged portion of a tree, the ship sank below the mud of the river within minutes, taking all of its cargo with it. 150 years later, a crew unearthed her and her secrets. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I'm Charlotte. I'm Patrick. Ahoy and welcome aboard Ship Hits the Fan, a podcast about some of history's most notable uh-ohs and whoopsies on the high seas. Mm-hmm. As much as we would love to spend the next 40 to 45 minutes speaking on the fine intricacies of river gambling and its superiority to its land-based counterparts, mm-hmm. I would also add superiority to its saltwater-based counterparts. Not a lot of them. We are instead forced to discuss the ill effects of trees and their roots. Mm-hmm. I officially name trees as podcast enemy number one. One, if you see a tree and you care for the values that this show puts forth, it's on site. Yeah, icebergs might be more. Well, I mean that happened well, well like once. Bergs, submerged rocks also actually are probably more. I think I think the enemy of the podcast torpedoes. is, is uh, um, not repairs. Well, that the true enemy is <laughs> poor maintenance. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You have to make sure that putting your, corporate your interest before whole, proper maintenance. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think CEOs and investors <laughs> are the enemy, enemy of the show. show. Yeah. Anyway, let's get into it. We haven't talked about the South enough lately. We covered it a lot when Brian was here. Wonder why? Yeah, I wonder that's what interesting. changed. Yeah, we yeah. did two stories about Galveston. <laughs> Texas City, which is just up the coast. That's pretty funny in context (laughs) that of all the shipwrecks, we've done two in Galveston. (laughs) Hey, it was a, a, what was it? Sin City of the South or something? Something like that, yeah. Was it called More more Humid Than Vegas? I think so, yeah. Spilled the coffee all over the chair and my leg. Wouldn't have happened in the other mug. Wouldn't have, yeah, wouldn't have happened if you hadn't gone, if you hadn't wasted time going to get a mug. Precious time. Company time. The... (laughs) <laughs> and you're such a company man. It's the same as stealing. <laughs> the Arabia was one of the hundreds of sidewheeler steamships traversing the rivers of America in the 1800s. If you've seen Maverick, you know them. Yeah. What? Oh, Mel Gibson. Maverick. Oh, not Top Gun Maverick. No, no, no. Oh, okay. The sidewheeler steamship, so named for the giant wheel on the side, if you've been paying <laughs> attention, was first developed over 150 years before the sinking of the Arabia, 
uh, by the French, actually, or rather a theoretical version was. And th- this yeah. is not a theoretical version of a Frenchman. It's a theoretical right. version of a steamship. Yeah. Made by French a real, real. French. Yes. The yeah. French were, re- unfortunately, every morning when you wake up and you go, I had the most awful dream where the <laughs> French existed. And uh, someone tells you it wasn't a dream. Yeah. And you are there, and you are there. <laughs> <laughs> in 1685 or 1704, depending on the source, inventor Denis Pepin, Papin? Papin. Papin. Papa. I'm going to say Papin. Denis Papa. Dennis, Denny Papa, developed the idea for a steam engine powered by boilers. The steam would turn a large wheel of paddles propelling the boat. You've seen it, you know it, you love it. Yep. These wheels can be on the side or rear of the boat. Those are stern wheelers. Mm-hmm. And essentially, they act as several large oars pushing the water behind the boat, which propels it forward. Yeah. Again, you've seen it, you love it, you know it, if you've yeah. seen Maverick. People seem to debate the year Papin should officially get credit. Those who credit him for the steam portion date his invention around 1685. Okay. From the 1670s onward, while living in Germany, nearly all of Papin's inventions were steam-based. Ooh. You love a guy with a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a steam guy. He's like, I, hot water, just the potential. Wow. Is, he, is so incredible. He famously never drank any tea because he would put the pot on, but then just stand there and Transfixed. Awe. He was like, wow, yeah. until there was no water left. He's like, that's fine. I'll just eat the tea bag. Suck on it. <laughs> I assume. Yeah, that's it works. speculation. It works. Uh, do not use this podcast as uh, evidence in a courtroom. <laughs> Uh, Anyway, yeah, these steam-based inventions include early versions of the pressure cooker, a steam pressure diving suit, and finally in 1704, a steam engine for paddle boats. Steam pressure diving suit sounds like a recipe for disaster. It sounds sounds like like a a good way to cook yourself. It sounds like a way to cut weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to lose lose 30 pounds tomorrow. Yeah. And it's like, all right, you're in luck. There you go. However, the steam engine for boats is kind of up for questions. Yeah. Yeah, it's debatable. In 1705, he tested the theory of paddle propulsion with a hand-cranked boat and would later build the first steam cylinder for a steam boat. Uh, At this time, no one really knew what components would be needed to make steam-propelled movement possible. Yeah. Still being invented. It's still being invented. And to be honest, you know, today in 2023, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I couldn't build a steam engine. (laughs) Hey. Not without, you know, like a guide. Yeah, I think you could. A wiki how. (laughs) <laughs> you, like a, you like a project. Yeah, yeah. You get at least a hand-cranked one. Sure. Anyway, he was kind of flying blind here. He knew steam could provide pressure and pressure could provide movement. By that principle, a wheel could move a boat. Sure. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but by 1707, despite building all of the pieces, he had not figured out how they would go together. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Fed up, Papin abandoned his family in Germany to return to London. Also not France. <laughs> no, I'm sure there was a family there too. Probably. He's like, this boat's not working. I, I need I have a to new leave family. Another family. <laughs> Upon his return to London, a number of his designs were presented to scientific societies around Europe. According to Papin, he did not give permission for this. Oh, Papin. Papin. You got to keep your schematics on lockdown. Close to the chest. Yeah. You know, you can't be letting. Sci- you know, this is the 1800s. Scientific societies, geological societies, societies of explorers, mm-hmm. they're constantly having meetings and they're constantly having, you know, presentations. It's mostly just smoking with your friends. I yeah. Think. And, and I think brandy. every once in a while, some fool comes in and presents some wild theory that in the end turns out to be fantastic. That will but change true. the world. Yes, it will change the world. the world. But he's laughed out of the room. Yes. Naturally. Exactly. And I did say he. 
Yeah, no, it was yeah. a, it was it was it was a, a he. It was a men's It was always club. a he. It was always a he. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, the times. Yeah, the times. You know, Bob Dylan. Sure. By 1712, inventor Thomas Newcomen used those initial drawings and theories to develop the atmospheric steam engine. Ooh. This was powered by wood or coal, and it would be the type of engine that actually powered these vessels eventually. So he didn't come up with the principles, but he did invent the thing that actually worked. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which, you know. That's pretty important, too. That's pretty yeah, valuable. Yeah. 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 It's Shared nice to be the credit guy that at the very part. least. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Dennis Papin died that same oh, year. Oh, no, Dennis. Um, what? Oh, Dennis. Yeah. yeah. All right. Poor, poor Dennis. Rest in peace to an adventure. RIP to the god of steam and leaving families. Yeah, he's remembered by his seven families across <laughs> Europe. Uh, you know, pour one out or pour several out yeah, for yeah. the sons and daughters. One for each family. <laughs> who had uh, no father uh, because he was frustrated with his boat inventions. Mm-hmm. He was said to have died penniless and was buried in an anonymous grave. Okay. The steamship, however, would live on. Uh, many also buried in anonymous graves, but yes, you know, we'll get to. It comes with the territory. Yeah, <laughs> they did not dig him up though. No, <laughs> Newcomen's engines were large and heavy, and while they did indeed propel ships forward, they did it very slowly, mm-hmm. uh, and this limited how big the ships could be. Yeah, specifically, the ships had to be small to account for the large engine. And they would rock constantly from the pumping action of the pistons. Okay, which meant they were effectively unusable. Good. (laughs) Cargo would be destroyed. Riding on them was nearly impossible without intense motion sickness. It was good in theory, bad in practice. Yeah. Invent Dramamine, my guy. I don't get boat sick. You don't don't understand it or it doesn't happen to you? It doesn't happen. I've never been seasick, I don't think. I get car sick, but that's... I don't don't get train sick either, really. What about planes? No. I get a little nauseous these days Just now on, on, on re-entry. Mm. Boats, I get a little uneasy, but I don't get sick. Okay, yeah. I guess we're just better than other people. That might be it. Yeah, that's probably it. Inventor and mechanical engineer James Watt, Watt, remember? Mm-hmm. Watt. Would, <laughs> what? Would improve on this design to make them less jerky and more fluid. More fluid? Like put the fluid outside the boat. That's oh, terrible. Okay. <laughs> he made the wheels bigger. The piston's smoother and ultimately gives us the paddle steamships we love so well today. Oh, thank you. Thank you, James. Jim. Thank you, Jim Watt. Roughly 50 years after launching Watt's first model, the Arabia was built in Brownsville, Pennsylvania. Which you thought was in northern Pennsylvania. This is a call-out. It's a call-out because you're from there, so you should know. Well, it's a call-out because I assumed that it would be be docked in the Delaware River. No. And I was like, I've never heard of a Brownsville in southeastern Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got Chester down there, sure. Okay. Turns out it's not on the east side of Pennsylvania at all. Yeah. It's near Pittsburgh. Yeah. At, uh, south of Pittsburgh. South of Pittsburgh. I forget the name of the river, but it's the Ohio River goes through Pittsburgh and then branches into two different new rivers. Which I had no like. idea. I did. I should know that, though, because Pittsburgh is a land of bridges. Yes. Famously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. It's one of the two things people know them for. Mm-hmm. What's the other? Uh, steel. Oh, like the football team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Totally. And penguins, right? They're known for their penguins? Yeah, they're known for their subarctic climate. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been. <laughs> and neither have I. <laughs> a number of paddle ships were produced around this time primarily as a means of transporting cargo and travelers from state to state. 
The riverboats were often faster than traveling on land and oftentimes safer. These ships were built in the lead up to the Civil War, uh, you may have heard of it, and were often considered a way to travel between free states and not free states. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, the ones that supported slavery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is the American Civil War? This is the American Civil War, okay. yes. And uh, you can rest assured that a lot of people in the North probably quietly were like fine with it, but they sure. went along with it. Yeah. It was a bad time. Mm-hmm. Riverboats were a common travel option for enslaved peoples in search of freedom. So you had former enslaved peoples traveling through slave states and free black people looking to travel without the risk of capture. Yes, because the rivers were sort of like a, a safe zone. Yeah. I it, mean, it was not entirely, which not we'll entirely, get into later. Yeah, it's actually a very unsafe zone. Yeah, but in theory, traveling by river was safer than traveling by land. Because I guess, you know, you're limiting the amount of people that you have the chance of coming into contact with. Yeah. You get on the boat, you know who's on the boat. You assume there aren't going to be a it's bunch of It's too much of a pe- hassle to pull them over. Yeah. We, we will get to that later. Yeah. Okay. I know you're chomping at the bit. You're like, Charlotte, tell me the diameter what was the of diameter? the wheels. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm here to tell you and put it in terms that I will understand. The Arabia's paddle wheels were 28 feet in diameter. And to put this in perspective for the ship hits community, the paddle wheels were just under the length of two Priuses parked bumper to bumper. Okay. Consider yeah. a little bit of room if you're doing a typical parallel parking job, and it may be exactly two Priuses. Yeah, yeah. I got blocked in today by a Mini Cooper and a Fiat. I was <laughs> That's like, drive, annoying. Drive a real yeah. car, yeah. you know, like That's a Toyota. That's annoying two cars to be blocked in by. <laughs> it really, really is, because it is the length of two spots. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Each paddle is roughly the size of a park bench, but don't sit on it because it's hitting the water every half a second. Okay. It feels like something that you might hear on, like, a Discovery Channel reality, like, but don't sit on this park yeah, bench. Yeah. It hits the water every half a second. Something made during a writer's strike. Definitely. Yeah. And still made to this day, though, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. The Arabia used about 30 cords of wood, or 4,000 cubic feet. <laughs> an extraordinary amount of wood. That's a lot of wood. And this was to travel 40 to 60 miles on average. Yeah. Uh, the ship was capable of five miles per hour at top speed while moving upstream. Okay. Okay. Uh, This much fuel requires a lot of space. Yeah. Yeah. Conveniently, the Arabia measured over 171 feet. That's a lot of Priuses with a potential tonnage of over 222 registered tons. Which is like the volume of available space on a ship. That's right. While early steamboats had little in the way of amenities, the river travel business became wildly competitive from the 1820s to the 1870s. This means the boat would have been outfitted with competitive passenger amenities for the 1850s just to stay in business. Yeah, you gotta compete. Yeah, it reminds me of that ocean liner that had a giant sandbox for the children. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) While there are no official records of the onboard amenities of the Arabia, we do know that she frequently transported passengers. So it stands to reason that she was amenable. Yeah. Yeah. Minibar, foosball tables. $8 Snickers. $8 Snickers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> One of those things that senses the weight of the water bottle, up. so if yeah, you pick exactly. it up, it charges you. Yeah, and that's also seven dollars. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's it's, it's good a, water. Of what's Eva? Eva? Evian? Evian? It's Evian. It's Evian. It's Evian. So. And you, if it's Voss, you get what you pay for. <sighs> oh, come on. Come on. Yeah. I actually do like Fiji water. You know, if we're sure. talking about like nice water brands, okay. like, that stuff's good. Sure. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
Most ships at this time included multiple class designations, you don't want to mingle with the pores, uh, right. much like their ocean liner counterparts. First class options would include fine dining as well as private cap as well as private cabins. Mm -hmm. uh, these cabins could be as small as a traditional bedroom, probably a lot smaller, knowing what I've seen of ship cabins, yeah. or as large as a stateroom. Okay. For economy class cabins, passengers might find themselves sharing bunks in combined passenger areas. Probably with like kind of an Irish jig band. There's almost certainly, There's you like could fit so happening. many more beds if you didn't push everything else aside for the dance floor, <laughs> for the river dancing. Every night. <laughs> every night and every morning. The boat made regular stops, meaning many people could ride up or down the river for a handful of miles before disembarking at their destination. It's cool. It's like a... It's like a... It's like a subway. subway. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. But on the water. Yeah. Imagine. And going five miles per hour. <laughs> because dozens of companies were running river boats up and down the various rivers, they had to get competitive and creative. Mm. So what does that mean? Like bringing like a clown? On board? I kind of, yeah. Actually, actually yeah. I think that some is, boats yeah. built small theaters and advertised popular entertainers or types of performances much like cruises do today. Mm -hmm. So was there like a cannibal corpse riverboat? Do you, Six, think? you think 60,000 tons of metal was <laughs> had a precursor 60,000 registered tons of metal. Is that what it's called? I always I, I never get the tonnage right when I when I talk about 60,000 tons of metal. And here I just typed into Google 600 with two quotation marks after it. I mean, yeah, a clown probably was the best thing you could get for your money. Maybe a guy that, like, is famous for pretending to be a different guy. 70,000 tons of 70, metal. 70,000 70, long tons uh, with the two ends ES mm -hmm. tons of metal. Yeah, probably. Cool. I mean, like... What what what's like the best entertainer you could get in this time? Sorry, I'm looking at the 2023 pool girl and boy calendar for 70,000 tons of metal right now. Can I see it? <laughs> Note the kilt. Whoa, those are kilts. I missed yeah. that. Dreadlocks. Okay. okay, we're looking at a photo. This is terrible yeah, it's podcasting. A it's a bikini but, uh, top that's also a corset. Um, but Charlotte got me on 70,000 tons of metal. I so know that was my mistake to make. Yeah. Do you think, like, the top guy that could get on a riverboat in those days was someone who had lived to 55? Well, I mean, it was definitely an offensive act. That's true. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's I don't think improv had, had quite taken off Well, yet. no. Del Cl I Which, mean, maybe as, honestly, a, maybe as a practice regimen for performances, but not as its own art form. Honestly, probably for the best. I mean, because you got, you know, Del Close and the, like, I don't. We, know, no one wants to hear. Like, absolutely no one. No one wants thinking, to hear about this. Like, this is actually something people will pay to see. And it's actually the second city because New York was the first. And shockingly, it was something people would pay to see. Yeah, well, and uh, pay to do. <laughs> Perhaps more importantly, yeah. <laughs> I have not yet locked down a residency on a riverboat, but I am trying. Soon. Soon. It's coming up, I'm sure. Also, we do want to record an episode on a boat. If you have a Southern California hookup, let us know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hey everybody, it's Patrick. Just wanted to let you know, Rooster Teeth's 20th anniversary is coming up. Alright? They're making new episodes of 20 Rooster Teeth classics. Those are going to release every Friday, starting March 10th, for 20 straight weeks. But, we're not going to tell you what those are. So, you know, you gotta tune in. March 10th is the first, that's Rooster Teeth first, exclusive date. March 17th is the start date for our free watchers. It's the support of our first members that allows us to make that content. So check it out, and wish Rooster Teeth a happy 20th anniversary. 
A handful of the companies running these boats took an additional risk by including gambling. Cool. Yeah, some states had already banned it, but because the rivers served as borders between states and territories, it was kind of like a legal no man's land. Yeah, it was a gray area. Yeah, it was a, I mean, yeah, it was a gray area. Sure. You know, who cares? Yeah. yeah, a couple slot machines. Yeah, they just weren't tied to the laws of one state or territory, so they could build casinos on board. Uh, there are still riverboat casinos in use today. So it's kind of like how every ship now is registered in, like, Estonia. Yeah, okay. basically. Steamboats of the time also competed for speed. Ooh. Shorter trips were cheaper because you didn't need accommodations. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you didn't have to pay for a bed. You get there in a day. Yeah. This led steamboat manufacturers and even captains to experiment with their engine capabilities. Steamboat operators at the time would brag about their augmented engine systems and even race each other. They turned on the NAS. Yeah, <laughs> they turned on the family. Yeah. <laughs> the most famous of these races took place in 1870 between the Robert E. Lee and the Natchez. Mm -hmm. Robert E. Lee, not really a winning name in American history. But either way, the two ships offered bets on <laughs> really who could travel. Not in 1870. Travel, not in 1870, certainly. The two ships offered bets on who could travel between St. Louis, Missouri, and New Orleans, Louisiana, the fastest. Thousands of people turned out to watch the race from the banks of the river. And it's not like watching an F1 race where it's like, they're gone. Oh, you no, get you, to stand in one spot and you see them go, come and go. You can have a full pick. Three man. hours, yeah. probably. Yeah, yeah. The results were reported as far as Europe. Wow. People placed bets on everything from the winner to the time of arrival. Oh, yeah, we'll bet on anything. Oh, yeah, naturally. The Robert E. Lee was an older ship that had been outfitted with newer technology at the time. Always something that works. So cool. If we found anything out on this show. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Natchez was built new. Yeah, you know, these young bloods, they come they, yep. they come in and they try to take what's rightfully Robert E. Lee's. <laughs> yeah. Due to a number of broken steam lines, however, and well-timed fog, the Robert E. Lee beat the oh. Natchez by about seven and a half hours. Whoa. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a huge lead. Yeah, a massive, massive win. We got a tortoise in the hare scenario. Absolutely. That's what you're telling me. Well, it sounds like it was also faster. Tortoise in the hair scenario. Tortoise in the hair scenario. Okay, yeah. yeah. Very, very good, yeah, very yeah. good. Now I know what you're thinking. Did these modifications and focus on speed and augmentation of the engines lead in any way to the wreck of today's subject? And actually, no. We just wanted to talk about racing uh, boats. River boats. Yeah, river boats. Yeah. At incredibly slow speed. <laughs> yeah, although I think even today, there are a few things funnier than like a racing speedboat with flames on it and oh, big yeah. exhaust pipes. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like... It's it's Aquaman, you know. It's mm -hmm. like you're very limited, right? Yeah, you still have to <laughs> you have to stay on top of the water, That's a, right. a moving body. Anyway, back to the Arabia and before the Civil War, we're going back to 1853 mm -hmm. when it traveled the Ohio and Mississippi rivers for about two years without incident. It was purchased at this point by Captain John Shaw for the purpose of transporting soldiers up and down the Missouri River. Mm -hmm. Riverboats enabled the government to quickly move forces en masse along the river. And aboard the Arabia, 106 soldiers were transported from Fort Leavenworth in Kansas to Fort Pierre in South Dakota. Fort Pierre. Okay. To Fort, of course. Yeah, I know. <laughs> to Fort Pierre in South Dakota before the ship continued on up the Yellowstone River. The journey took three months or approximately 200,000 feet of trees and fuel. <laughs> God. <laughs> how, how long until we get there? A uh, forest or two. Yeah. Upon returning from this river voyage in 1856, the ship was sold to a Captain William Terrell and William Boyd. Okay. 
It made 14 trips on the Missouri River that same year until it hit a sandbar or possibly a rock. We which, don't know. Uh, yeah, um, we don't know. It badly damaged the rudder. The Arabia was taken out of commission in Portland, Maine for repairs. That seems really far away. Well, you're not going to get a better boat repair than in Portland, Maine. Yeah, I'm not going to take that riverboat anywhere but Maine for Maine, Maine repairs. Yeah, so here's your problem. Your <laughs> rudder is broken. It's the rudder. Rudder. The rudder. 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 <laughs> the Arabia rudder. It's the rudder. It's broken. <laughs> yeah? You're not going to want to go down that way. <laughs> Sandbar that way. <laughs> or rock. <laughs> Could be either. Not sure. Could have been made in 1685 or 1704, <laughs> some such. <laughs> oh, shout out to Maine. Shouts out to our friends in the newest of Englands. It was back on the river just for a few weeks before one of the steam cylinders also required repairs. Okay. Repaired once more, she was back on the river in no time. Okay. Unfortunately, the route along the Missouri was dangerous. Mm-hmm. Kansas, for instance, was a territory, not a state, and it hadn't declared itself a free state or a slave state. Right. Well, the people hadn't. The, the, the territory yeah. couldn't really do anything. Yeah. It's just land. Right. Groups of pro-slavery men from Missouri would chase travelers across the border into Kansas looking for runaway enslaved people. Mm-hmm. Because the rivers and by extension the river boats were not tied to any one state's laws, when they would dock in slave states, these groups would board the boats with the intention of pulling people off. Yeah. If free passengers were removed in a state supporting slavery, they could still be enslaved. Mm-hmm. If they had been previously enslaved, they could be returned to their last recorded owner as property. Yeah, it was essentially like mobs. Yeah. The second their foot touched the deck, they were vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... You know, That's it's, what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. So the ship itself is technically safe, but there's also not really anything, really anything stopping them. like a mob from getting on the boat and dragging people off. Mm-hmm. Which, let's be honest, the laws on the books weren't great uh, <laughs> for, yeah. for folks these days, for, uh-huh. for uh, enslaved and formerly enslaved people. Yeah. One such group boarded the Arabia almost immediately once it was back in commission. A passenger's dropped letter identified the travelers aboard the Arabia as abolitionists. According to this letter, these abolitionists were smuggling guns upriver. The pro-slavery border gang searched the ship and found the weapons in boxes labeled Carpenter's Tools. These tools were confiscated and unfortunately the abolitionist passengers were removed to be tried in Missouri. By September of 1856, only six months after being boarded by the gang, the Arabia set out. Well, so we don't know what happened to them. No, they just that they were tried. Damn. By September of 1856, only six months after being boarded by the gang, the Arabia set out for a normal trip up the river. Routine. Routine. By this point, the ship had made nearly 30 trips that year, and the route was familiar. It was well-traveled. Mm-hmm. It's also a river. You know, how many places are you going to go? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's unclear why or how, but during this routine voyage near Parkville, Missouri, the captain steered too wide through a bend in the river, too close to the river's edge. The ship struck a submerged portion of a sycamore tree. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> that main sycamore. The main sycamore. It wouldn't happen with a birch. With the main birch. <laughs> According to the Arabia Steamboat Museum, tree snags, or submerged trees, sank hundreds of riverboats between 1820 and 1870. A combination of relatively shallow water and fast currents, which eroded the riverbanks and dragged trees along the riverbed, tree snags were the riverboat's natural predator. Oh yeah. Gung gung. 
After colliding with the submerged tree, the ship's hull was torn completely open. I can't, so the, the tree mm. stuck in the mud underwater mm. Mm. was stronger than the ship's hull? Roots are thicker than water. All right. There it is. Also, the hole was probably made of like balsa wood balsa. And, and a dream at this <laughs> yeah. point. Yeah. The newly opened ship rapidly filled with water and the ship began to sink uh, very quickly. Yeah. But since the river water was fairly shallow, nearly everyone survived except for one unlucky mule. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Chained to sawmill equipment, the ass could not be untied <laughs> fast enough. Which was a that was an addition to the script from you, Patrick. Yeah, and there was some discussion as to whether ass applies to a mule, which is the or, infertile or offspring a of a donkey and a horse. Well, here's my thing. This is 150 over 150 years ago, mm -hmm. right? We're yeah, approaching, going on 200. Yeah, getting there. Yeah, slowly. Do you honestly think we we know for certain whether it was a mule or an ass? A donkey? Well, we could just as likely not assume ass, but I will say this to you. It's funny to say and funny to hear, so we will keep it. And funnier to analyze. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now that we've taken this apart, <laughs> not unlike uh, that that failed family abandoning inventor, not like that failed inventor, ah, whatever. Now that we've taken this apart, it's really quite funny. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm having a good laugh, and I'll probably think about it later when, yeah. I'm, when I'm drifting off to sleep mm -hmm. <laughs> to dream of wrecks yet to happen. The next morning, as groups looked to retrieve the ship for repairs, they found it had sunk so far into the river mud that only the smokestacks and the pilot house were visible. The mud just ate this thing. Yeah. Just... <laughs> Salvaged attempts went on for days, but by the end of the week, they were forced to let the ship sink completely and count the cargo and the ship itself as a total loss. Okay. Until... Mm -hmm. years later. Oh. Over time, this is actually really cool, the yeah. river pattern shifted half a mile to the east, yeah. meaning the place where the Arabia sank was now an open field. Yep. That's really neat. And pretty short time frame. In a pretty short time frame, yes, yeah. within a decade. The first excavation attempt started in 1866, 10 years after the original sinking. A boy on the land was reported as saying, Paul, there's a smokestack. <laughs> A boy wasn't reported saying that because they actually didn't know where it was. Okay, yeah, that's true. I, just, so, I thought it would be funny. You're telling lies again. Yeah, well, you got to stay sharp, you know? Uh, what actually happened was a man named Elisha Sorter purchased <laughs> the land where the Arabia was believed to have sunk. Uh, he was unable to locate the ship. Mm, just digging in mud all day. Pa, there's nothing here. <laughs> <laughs> Stop digging. <laughs> Stop digging. No, I got to find this ship. Over time, his family and others in the area all agreed that the ship was likely there, but they had no idea where to start digging. Mm -hmm. Well, simple solution, start a digging camp for wayward youths oh. to find the treasure. Just dig holes. That's right. Take a bad boy, make him dig five feet, Yep. and before long, you'll find what you're looking for. It wasn't until over a century later in nine it wasn't until over a century later in 1987 that a man named Bob Hawley and his sons would use modern surveying equipment to search for the Arabia. The owners of the land gave permit the owners of the land gave permission to excavate and by November of 1988 they had begun to expose the ship. I was alive. You were, yeah. Yeah. And you were saying, "Paul, <laughs> Paul, quit digging. Please come Paul, home. Oh, you're killing yourself. Look at the blisters on your hands, Paul. <laughs> Mama misses you. You can dig at home." Now, you're thinking, "Yeah. Bob. Yeah. The holster." 
Yep. Was he an archaeologist? I don't know. Was he a maritime enthusiast? Probably. No. Oh. Well, I'm assuming he was a maritime enthusiast. I mean, to some yeah, degree, I guess. He, must he have wasn't been, a right? historian. He wasn't right. a professional enthusiast. Sure, sure. Rather, he owned an HVAC company. Oh. And he needed something to do. <laughs> he was bored. So, yeah, never underestimate the power of a subcontractor with a lot of time on his hands. Yeah. In search of additional funding, they partnered with a local construction company as well as one of the HVAC customers, Jerry Mackey. <laughs> Jerry? <laughs> yeah. The owner of a local fast food chain. Oh, okay. A franchisee. Jerry's probably still out there, Jerry right? Jerry Mackey. I'm feeling Jerry's still alive. <laughs> Could be. He's probably financing all number of archaeological digs oh, yeah, previously uh, uh, wetened riverbeds. Yeah. Submerged. Yeah. On this program, we've covered many a sunken ship and their treasures. What's unique about the Arabia is the muck that it sank into. Uh-huh. Oh my god. <laughs> that was so loud. The ship sank real quick into thick mud. Yep. Mud that very quickly solidified around the ship and all the cargo on board. Mm -hmm. This meant nearly everything aboard the Arabia was still intact and preserved. Yeah, yeah. This included fine china in near perfect condition despite being nearly 150 years old. Yep. Not only was the cargo itself preserved, but all of the packing straw and materials were also still intact. I mean, yeah. You keep that. You can use that to send something off. You know, you keep the <laughs> yeah, bubble wrap. You don't straw. pop it all. It's good straw. <laughs> I mean, you would think like, oh, well, they find something aboard this ship. Surely they wouldn't use it. You would be wrong. Sure. Tools and saw equipment, china, fabrics, fruit preserves, a number of glass bottles and jars, all perfectly preserved. And um, yeah, we shouldn't have to say this, but you probably, you shouldn't eat 150-year-old mud fruit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bad for you. No, yeah. Likely bad for you. Pretty bad for preserves. you. Preserves. Uh, but if you do find any sarcophagus wine, that's fine to drink. You are going to want the powers of that's the pharaoh. Okay. Yeah, you will. They will <laughs> unlock the wisdom of the of the pharaohs watch if you out. drink sarcophagus wine. <laughs> you watch out for scarabs, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you may be cursed with eternal life if you do it. Also, which you know may sound cool, but be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Um, anyway, in the case of the Arabia, though, and the fruit preserves, uh, many people did commit this error. They ate the fruit preserves. They ate the fruit preserves, yeah. yeah. And they didn't die. No. No, a, a jar of pickles was actually found in the wreck, and they were opened and sampled by Bob's team. Okay. Now, uh, this doesn't seem like standard archaeological practice to me. No, these were amateurs. But these are HVAC guys, and he says- Very clearly HVAC guys. He says, guys. yo, Jerry, Jerry Mackey, you Get want a pickle? Here. You want a Civil War pickle? Uh, the rest of the cargo and salvageable portions of the ship were removed and placed in a museum created to showcase the Arabia and her cargo. Cool. One of the taglines of the Arabia Museum, it's all over their site, is when the Arabia sank, some said she carried gold. Others said fine china. Yeah. Uh, what was actually discovered will amaze you. Pickles. Pickles, that's right. Pickles is what, yeah. Briny right. goodness. Well, because when you travel on fresh water, you need to bring your own salt. Your own brine. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of oysters, pickles. <laughs> the hole was filled in. Mm, obviously, <laughs> yeah. And to this day, the resting place of the Arabia remains farmland, fertilized by a once vibrant and vivacious ass. So it turns out hundreds of riverboats crashed or sank from 1820 to 1870. That's the mighty Mississippi for it you. It doesn't take much, just a wide turn. But she don't take prisoners. Well, this was on the Missouri, wasn't it? Yeah, but okay, Mississippi okay, guys, close also enough. had riverboats. Yeah. yeah, I know. They all did. Um, while many were retrieved or excavated almost immediately after their crashes, some, like the Arabia, sank down into the mud never to be seen again. Mm-hmm. 
The crew that unearthed the Arabia has since embarked on a new search for one of these very ships. Oh. People in the area leaving many calls saying, could you please hook up my central air? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fifteen years prior to the sinking of the Arabia, the steamship Malta was traveling near Independence, Missouri, when it sank into the mud while navigating a bend in the river. This bend is now referred to as Malta Bend. There you go. It's unclear if it was traveling towards or away from Independence. Uh, if it was the latter, the ship would have been nearly full with furs tasked with transporting them south. Okay. Rip to those beavers. Yeah. The same crew that unearthed the Arabia used metal detectors and maps to identify the likely resting place of the Malta. Much like Arabia, the river has shifted since Malta sank, leaving its ultimate resting place as an open field on a farm in Missouri. Ooh. And like the Arabia, the cargo recovered was surprising. Uh, they've excavated iron hooks, fabrics, and a great deal of buttons. Oh. Yeah, which uh, the crew sampled, and they said they were <laughs> tough to get down. Still good. But worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, a, that's the steamship Arabia. Cool. Pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, everyone survived except for that ass. That ass. Yeah. <laughs> Still thinking about it. Rip to yeah. dead ass. Yeah, R.I.P. to dead ass. <laughs> R.I.P. to that Kneeling on uh, one leg with your hands in a prayer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. to that ass. Um, we think about you. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about that you. ass constantly. Yeah. All right, Patrick. Foghorn me. He he. Now you know what? I'm gonna do a classic one. Ew. Okay. Yeah. This honorable mention is actually brought to us by Brian. Car. Wow. He tweeted at us today. Fallen hero of the show. Yeah. He tweeted at us and I saw it and I replied, but it is also a perfect honorable mention. It is. Which this he is, knew. He had ulterior motives. This is the talk of the town yeah. this, this week. So listeners to this show may remember the Otsuro Bune, mm -hmm. which was an incident where a beautiful alien woman washed ashore in Japan in 1803. <laughs> yeah. I think it was an honorable mention. Smoke show. A total, so a perfect ten. No, I think it was a it was an interstitial episode. Or not? Yeah, that's what I meant. No, oh, okay. that's what I meant. So a, just a perfect ten alien woman washed ashore mm. in Japan. They were very confused by her and eventually they just sent pushed her, her back, her back out. out to yeah. sea. Yeah. Uh, well, folks, she's back, <laughs> or possibly her kin, and her smaller offspring. than ever. Yeah, in a much smaller <laughs> form. So in Japan recently. A mysterious orb, one and a half meters in diameter, washed ashore near Hamamatsu City. Uh, what is it? The egg of a kaiju? Mm. Another beautiful alien, possibly Russian, babe. <laughs> if you remember, we covered it. May have just been it a woman may have just been a who woman was pushed out to shore. Like, yeah. It's like, they, she didn't speak Japanese. And it's like, <laughs> so there right, must be some kind of otherworldly language. Russian. I mean, they're, um, yeah, yeah. they're practically aliens sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there was a quote from one guy that was like, I don't understand what the big deal is. That thing's been there for a month. No really? one, yeah. <laughs> it, it does have a, it has an industrial look to it. It's yeah, it's covered in rust and it has handles. It's yes. not that mysterious. It, it's not that mysterious, but, but you know. But it's, it's an orb, you yeah, exactly. know, it's something to ponder. Exactly. So further pondering of the orb by experts suggested that it's likely an iron buoy, probably from China. An or a iron, Chinese vessel. An iron boy. Hmm? Buoy, not boy. To think, a boy made it entirely of iron. No, no, no. Buoy. How strong he must be. I'm, but how heavy. No, he probably couldn't fly a commercial. Yes, an iron boy would be have, a, would have immense strength and power. <laughs> no of one's course. arguing that. Of course. But what I said was buoy. 
Uh, I think they like evacuated a beach. They they shut a bunch of stuff down just yeah. out of I probably out of fear that it's like an old landmine. You know, like an, there some are a lot ordinance. of those out there. Yeah, uh, but yeah, they think it's probably an iron buoy. Probably again because it's has multiple handles and is covered in yeah. rust. This is great for us. Yeah. More things should wash up on the shore. Oh, yeah. Anything that washes up that you find on a beach is instantly filled with such inherent mystery and wonder that it becomes a story. I yeah. remember I found a pair of sunglasses and I was like, wow, where did these come from? It's yeah. obviously someone on the beach. Well, my yard. Uh-huh. I got digging back there. Oh, yeah. And good God, the amount of trash. I yeah. don't think it was kept as trash, but it's like old perfume bottles that are like in the shape of a bowling pin. That's so weird. A bunch of like weird brass, I was brass on like, figures and stuff. I was uh, drinking on the riverbanks in Philadelphia cool. and we found an old Great. pharmaceutical bottle in like near yeah. perfect condition that we traced to like the 20s or 30s. Just if sitting you, there. Folks, if you're sitting around right now and you don't know what to do, go drink down by the river. Go drink down by the we river. We absolutely condone it. I don't think there's anything better than yeah. drinking next to a body of water. And where were you recommending? Uh, well, this was on the banks of the Schuylkill River down the hell okay. from the art museum. for a drink. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, good, good times to be had by all. But, you know, lakes, oceans, rivers. If you have a dock to go out on. Or but there is something about a river specifically. And a dirty river. A dirty river and, where and you, have to, you have to go down. Like, you have to find access to it in a place yeah, where there aren't. exactly. Yeah. And especially if it's, like, a populated city and, like, you're not supposed to be drinking down there. Yeah. Maybe you're doing other things, like yeah, yeah, like with a marijuana cigarette, something like that, yeah, <laughs> something like that. Sure, yeah, but it's you know, the, and there's a, a bit of danger, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, find a good little tree that hangs out over the river and just kind of yeah. settle into a nook there and just bring a six pack. Even under or like under a bridge is good too. Under a bridge is yeah. great, or if you're in the suburbs and you find a bridge that is collapsed. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, over a creek. Yep. And it's just kind of like a bed of concrete that Nothing has fallen into the water. Nothing better. Functionally, it's not needed anymore, so no one's fixing it, but right. it'd be too expensive to tow that out. Yep. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Wait. Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. My favorite part. Yeah, I, yeah. I want to say yeah. names. This show is written by Paige Wesley. It is uh -huh. edited by Kelly Reynolds with yeah. art from Stevie Jude. Yeah. I am, as ever, Charlotte Ass Avery. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick. Patrick Malta Brown. Just Patrick. <laughs> yeah, Patrick Brownsville. Yeah. May your bones bleach in these sands. Thanks, everybody. Wait, wait. May your bones bleach in this mud. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. May your bones be perfectly preserved, preserved in, in mud. this mud. <laughs> <laughs>